everybody, welcome back. This is Big Country here on the Cheap Dog Country Podcast. Today is a very awesome day. Today is Valentine's Day. And today is also the first episode of Testimony Tuesdays. And to start it off today, we are going to talk about my testimony. Some of you know it, some of you don't. But I think it's very important that um, we all, and the reason why we did this is because we want to see um, a lot of people's testimonies come forward to see the goodness of God. Because every every believer, every Christian should have a way to get their testimony out there because it might inspire someone else to put their faith in Jesus. Okay. So, um, let's get into it. I was born October 31st, 1984 to my mom, uh, Kathy and my dad, Wayne. Um, and they were both in high school. Or my mom had just recently graduated. She was 19. My dad was 17. And um, thankfully, even though it was Texas in 1984, um, abortion had started happening, and they decided to keep me. <laughs> so they made a good decision um, in the midst of a lot of terrible ones. Um, in about the span of two years, and I'm not calling my mom and dad terrible people. They are amazing. I love both of them so very much. But um, they ended up getting divorced not not too long after I was born. Um, I don't know exactly when it was. It was somewhere between like shy of a year to two years, maybe. I think it was shy of a year. Um, but anyways, um, I went to live with my mom. And um, I got to see my dad every other weekend for basically the first 16 years of my life. Except for, and during the summer, I would go not to my dad's house for a couple of weeks. I'd go to my grandma's house for a few weeks on my dad's side and that's when I really spent the bulk of my time with that side of the family. Um, but so fast forward a little bit. Um, when I was about to turn seven, so like right at the end of when I was six years old, my, and I was just getting out of kindergarten. My mom married a man named Robert, and uh, needless to say, he was not a good man. <laughs> um, he had a lot of money, owned a very successful business, I had nice cars, nice material things, um, but was incapable of loving anything but himself um and his toys um and honestly for the most part of my life when I was ignorant to exactly who God and Satan were I honestly thought that he was Satan um constantly would tell me you know, how stupid I was, how dumb I was, how slow I was, how fat I was. Y'all, I was, I was, by the time we went different ways, as a sophomore in high school, I was six, about six to 185 pounds. I wasn't fat. So, but didn't matter. I never lived up to any standard that he set. So I was a piece of crap. And he let me know about it every single day of my life. 
that I was at his house. I loved going to my dad's house because I got to get away from that house. I loved any chance. If if they would let me go for extended stays with my grandparents, I would go all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why my grandma and grandpa Johnson became my, one of my favorite places to be because um, I got to escape. Nothing against anybody else in my family, but that was kind of my refuge for a long time was my grandma and grandpa Johnson. And uh, sadly, they passed away before my boys were born because that, they're the two people that I wanted my boys to meet more than anything or more than anyone. Um, so we go back to uh, I was about 12, 13 or so. And, uh, so I've taken, you know, six, seven years of this constant barrage of how crappy I am, uh, because, because of it, I got really clammed in and sheltered. I was already shy before I met him, but then I just kind of shut down. Um, people called (laughs) some, uh, kids from school called me the dead man because I was just emotionless face and um you would never believe that now um but I remember one day one afternoon I uh walked into the kitchen and I was looking for something and I opened up the drawer and it had knives in it and I just stood there for a second I was like what if I just ended it? And never have to deal with him again. Never have to feel this pain no more. Um, but what, what if I just killed myself right now? And thankfully, God is so gracious. Even before I knew him, he was looking out for me. When I was still running, when I was still caught up in every bit of sin that I've been in, he was looking out for me, and he knew how much I loved and cared for my mom. And he just showed me what it would do to her if she was to lose me. And that saved my life on that day. I'm not going to lie. That that saved my life that day because it instantly said, no, that's not the way out. So... couple more years go by I think I'm 15 maybe and my mom finally gets the gall the the gumption the um nerve to leave and I don't I know that God doesn't advocate divorce I don't advocate divorce I I advocate reconciliation every way possible but in this case it was probably probably the best way out it was the best way out I I found out later when I was about 19 and I was removed from the situation for, you know, two or three years that um, when I would go to my dad's house, uh, my stepdad, Robert, 
would beat my mom. And I remember then coming home to um, my mom just just sitting there, you know, doing dishes or something. She'd have a bruise on her arm, like it's not like a normal bruise, like a heavy, deep bruise. Or she might have a bruise on her face, and it wouldn't happen all the time. But I said, Mom, what, what happened? And she goes, oh, I fell down the stairs. Which actually was kind of perfect, <laughs> perfect uh, cover because my mom can be slightly clumsy. Or especially unaware at times. Um, and I know this because they say you marry, like, guys marry their moms and girls marry their dads. I don't know how how close that is with my wife, but as far as marrying her dad, because me and her dad are nothing alike outside of Jesus, but my wife and my mom do have some tendencies <laughs> to be a little bit clumsy. Um, anyways, so um, when I found that out, I was because I had my suspicions, but when I found that out, I was really furious. I was really upset. I was angry. Um. And I was just like, you know what? I never want to see him again. Never, ever, ever see him again. Don't want to do it. Okay. And uh, this is about about two years after... Um, 9/11 9/11 I was sitting in my um in my junior chemistry class that was absolute joke our uh, our uh, teacher was trying to get into NASA and so I did zero homework bombed all my tests and somehow passed with a uh, above 85 average every six weeks so awesome for high school not so awesome when you go to college and try to take chemistry so kids don't cheap out just because your teachers letting you uh do your work um but i was sitting there and they roll the the screen into the room the tv and they turn the news on, and we're sitting there watching, you know, the World Trade Center get hit, the towers get hit with planes, and them crumbling to the ground. And there was a bunch of other threats that were made, and we live close to a nuclear power plant, um, or we did. Uh, it's about 30 miles from where we're at, so... If it got hit, we would be in the radiation zone by a good margin. And uh, so um, they like, canceled practice for that day and for football. Sorry. Um, I grew up in Texas. So football is, you know, just slightly under Jesus <laughs> in Texas. Um, it is a religion of its own. Um, it, religions in Texas go Christianity, high school football, um, college football, NFL, than any other uh, religion behind that um, is down there. That's that's the hierarchy of religions in, in Texas. And depending on who you're talking to, um, Jesus might fall down below uh, high school football. Okay. So 
So, um, canceled practice that day. It's a Tuesday, I believe. And then the next day, um, we, we went to practice and after practice, my high school football coach said, I know there's probably some of you that have a lot of questions about what's going on. And um, the church, the First Baptist Church is having a revival right now. So if y'all want to come try to figure out some of those questions, come tonight. And invited us all to the revival at the First Baptist Church. So we go down there, and um, honestly, I'd be lying if I said I remembered anything else about the sermon. Have no clue. Um, but at the end, the preacher said, "If you die tomorrow, where are you going? Heaven or hell?" And I didn't have an answer. I had no clue. But I knew I wanted to go to heaven. Because I knew that if I went to hell, there would be a lot of people in there, like my stepdad. And so I went down and I said the salvation prayer. And it hit me like the reality of Jesus hit me. Uh, I don't know how or why, because like I said, I couldn't I couldn't tell you what he said prior to that question. But I knew Jesus was the real deal. And by accepting my, my Lord and Savior, I was going to heaven. Then. To make sure that I was going to heaven in the next 24 hours, I probably said that same prayer, you know, half a dozen times, a dozen times, I don't know, 30 times. I said it a lot. I was making sure my passport was stamped, double stamped, triple stamped. I was getting my ticket to heaven. Okay. The cool thing that happened is, see, I, w- I was always growing up, I never had big birthday parties. Not because I didn't want, I had, I had one birthday party that I invited 30 people to. Um, my mom got, you know, it's when getting the photos printed out on the cakes was like the big new deal. I got like an Emmett Smith photo on top of my cake and I invited 30 kids and not anybody showed up. And that's not the sad part. The sad part is I tried to tailor how I acted towards other kids so that I would get popularity. It's not uncommon. It's very sad that Kids just don't want to be themselves. They tailor their how they act, who they are, because they want attention or they want all these other things from these people that in, you know, three, four years, they're never, most, m- most, more likely than not, they're never going to see them again in their lives. Even if you are from a small town in Texas. And even if you still live in that small town, Texas, you might see two or three of them. But you ain't going to see the whole bunch. I've seen, since I graduated, I had a class of 16 people. I have seen a total of about four people that I graduated high school with. Since I graduated, since I graduated high school, four, and uh, 
So what I was getting at is that the minute I gave my life to God, he made something very abundantly clear. I am your only audience. The only person that I live to please now and forever will be God. My wife comes second. My family comes second. My kids come second. My job. My ministry. All my friends, they will never be first place in my life. Sometimes I mess it up. Sometimes I put more importance on things than they should have. Yeah. But God will always be first. He's the only person that I talk to more than my wife. The only being that knows me inside and out. And that goes for all of you out there. If you think nobody understands, nobody gets you, nobody... Stop it. God knows you. He loves you. And we'll get that a little bit more later. So, <clears throat> I stopped being who I thought everybody wanted me to be. And I just started being myself. Funny thing is, all my life I wanted to be invited to parties. And be a part of the in crowd and the clique and all that stuff. One week after I got saved, I was invited to my first high school party. It was a homecoming party. And naturally, I was like, thanks, God. Like, right now that I can't do anything at this party, um, now I get invited. But... The the awesome thing is that is is I got convicted really early, really soon in my life about things I should not, absolutely should not do. Um, drinking, driving was one of them. And that was even before I was a Christian because I lost my uncle to drunk driving. He wasn't driving; someone else was. Um, I lost friends, family, family friends. Um, people that I admire to drinking driving. So um there's no reason for me to ever do that. But also just the promiscuous lifestyle. Like I was also one of the things I was gonna do, I wasn't gonna have sex before I got married. Mainly because my dad and my mom had sex before they got married and they had me in high school. They really chose to keep me, but my dad is a pretty dang good golfer, like really good golfer. It's one of the reasons why I have such a love for the game now. Um, like he probably could have at least done something pro. He he's just a natural talent, and he never got that chance, and never, because he had to grow up and be a man right away. You know, nobody else was going to take care of me for him. He had to pay some pay some money. So, um, yeah. So after after high school, went off to college. Um, started hanging around people that are like minded like me. Because 
couldn't be around people that were living the world as much. I needed to be trained up. I needed to be discipled. I needed to be around people that were going to hold me in check and be accountable to me. So, um, or someone I could be accountable to. So, um, I went to Temple Junior College in Temple, Texas. My campus life, however, was at University of Mary Hardin Baylor, which was just down the road in Belton, Texas. And I met a bunch of awesome good friends. Um, friends that I still stay in contact with, with to this day. Um, pastors, teachers, um, people that I just absolutely love. And I give so much credit for just just let me be around them and absorb in that time. Um, and then through that, I started going to their their uh, chapel services on Wednesday nights at the college. And I was able to get picked up there to be a summer counselor at youth camps. So I went to this place called Camp Buckner, or if any of y'all are out there, us former counselor called Camp Bucky Buck. Um, we would sit there and we would go down in May, last two weeks of May or so, you get there early, you start doing like lifeguard training or other types of training if you're going to specialize in a certain area. Because if you got, if you did certain things, you got a little bump in pay. Trust me, we didn't get paid nearly as much <laughs> as we probably should have. Um, because we're with kids from, uh, I mean, we're with them 24 hours a day, but we were awake with them from about 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Every day, 400 kids. We got one day off, and that was from Saturday at about noon to Sunday about noon, and that was it. Uh, well, we got nights off during the week, but, I mean, it was go. 400 kids um, just every day, all day, and it was good. It was so much fun. I had to depend on God just for strength to be able to wake up. And we had little Bible studies that we we're doing. So um, twice a week you would go down, you would leave your other counselor up at the cabin, and you would go down and um, take part in this Bible study. And um, early, before anything, before breakfast, just so that you could get refreshed by God. And... It was such a great thing. Uh, two of the best summers of my life, hands down. Outside of the summer I got married, two best summers of my life. Um, the uh, Then after there, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do like for a career, for my job. I was 20... Two, after my last stint at the camp, I was like, man, what do I want to do? I saw this ad on uh, golf, uh, the San Diego Golf Academy, and it was a awesome school. It was like a technical school a technical college for golfers. So learn how to run the business, um, food and bev, maintenance, teach, train. And then you also get to play golf. Like it's included in your, in your tuition. So you get to play free golf all the time. You're there. I'm like, dude, I'm down. So we went, me and my dad came out for a test trip. Everything looked cool. 
went back, came back out. Um, a few, well, it was about a year later. Um, I had to get some stuff in order and then we came out here. Now I went to school for two years for that. Um, me and my, my best friend moved out here, loving him to death. I hope to get him on here to have him, uh, tell you his testimony because it is absolutely insane um i I love that dude um but um we we got out here in august of 08 and man i thought it was hot in texas during the summer my god we get out here, it's 125, it's in the middle of the recession, gas prices are like five bucks a gallon, and uh, so we get here, a couple months in, I mean, it's still, still, you know, or maybe not a couple months in, but almost a month in, it's still August, and we did the college thing, we Decided to go to Jack in the Box at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. And we walk outside. And it's still 102 degrees outside. I was like, God, what hell did you send me to? <laughs> um, back up a, a few months prior to that, I was still praying. I was like, man, God, I don't want to leave my family. Is this really the right thing? And I had kind of started the youth group at my church at that time but I only have one kid and Sam love you wherever you're at um hope you hear this um and we're sitting there and this guy comes on the stage he's one of the speakers and he goes I'm from Arizona and instantly as soon as that happened I knew all right I got a connection point I know where I'm going. I talked to the dude the next day. Seems Kerry Robinson. He's now the uh, the lead, one of the lead pastors with his wife of the Movement Church in Orange County, California, uh, uh, Laguna Niguel, uh Mission Viejo area, um, and love him to death, man. Love him to death. He shaped a lot of me he uh he brought me in as a big brother and 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 or as his little brother he's my big brother in faith and showed me a lot of stuff and taught me a lot we had a lot of close conversations and uh i wish i still got to talk to him as much as i used to it's different seasons. Um, that, that's probably one of the hardest things about uh, walking with God is that you meet so many amazing people, amazing people that you love and you care for and will be your friends for the rest of your life. But the seasons aren't always the same. And you don't get to be selfish and hold on to that person all their life. You get to let other people experience them. And it's it's hard for me to do that because I'm a very relational person. When When I say you're my friend, you're more my family. And I love my family hard. I love them hard. If you need anything, I'll be there for you. And, uh, yeah, it's... is. We'll get into why this is so emotional later, but, oh, man, um, 
But anyways, uh, Pastor Gary PC, if if you're listening, um, I love you and I miss you. And one day I hope that our paths cross again for an extended time. Because I just really treasure the time I spent with you. Um, and he, him and his wife, Megan, were also in my wedding. He, uh, he took over the teardown of everything at the reception hall when he didn't have to. He graciously stepped in and did it and ran everything because that's that's kind of what he does. He runs everything. It's his personality. And, uh, man, he's just a good friend. Also, he picked up, really picked up golf after he moved to California. And uh, I'd love to give him some golf tips and, and take a look at his swing, getting swinging better. But, anyways, um, <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, so met PC and then moved out here and we got involved in this church, uh, lifelink church, um, pastor Dave and Sheree, um, another great, great couple of people, man, I did not, I thought I'd be crying more about the hard times in life. But you see how good God is. And when that light shines so bright in your life and you get to spend so much time with amazing people that have blessed you far more than the ones that wanted to bring you down, hurt you. It's really a testament because I cry and I reminisce more about the good times that I had with wonderful friends um, and mentors and family like Pastor Carrie and Megan and Pastor Dave and Cherie. They're people I love for the rest of my life. And I will treasure them anytime they ever give me any opinion on anything. I will listen. So, um, and Pastor David married me and my wife. And he gave me some of the greatest marriage advice. Through those first formidable years. And it's just priceless. I'm still trying, Pastor Dave. <laughs> I'm not the greatest husband in the world yet. I'm trying. I will be one day. Um... And then all my other friends, I mean, they know James, Lacey, Chris, Leslie, Josh, Tiffany, Jeremy, Danielle, my brothers, Andrew, and Alan. I don't know why I couldn't think of your name. Andrew and Alan, the J. Um, oh, so many people that helped carve and, and and mold me and shape me. See, a lot of times we think about, you know, God is the potter. 
He molds and shapes our lives. What do you use to mold and shape? Some or what? What does the potter use? Use your hands and feet, because you use the foot to turn that wheel to spin it at the right speed, and you use your hands. <laughs> I just came up with a new sermon, y'all. Use your hands to mold that thing, right? We as Christians are called to be the hands and feet of God. Everyone that you come in contact with molds and shapes you. Now it depends on who molded and shaped them? Was it God? Was it the hands and feet of God? Or was it that other dude? The one that tried to be God? That molded and shaped them? Get around people that are good for you. Get around godly, awesome people. Whether or not you believe completely political things that are going on right now, if you're out there and you're not in a church, get around some church folk. I promise they're not scary. They're not going to hate you if you have a different belief than they do. The good ones. The good ones will love on you will accept you. They won't entitle you. They won't enable you. They will tell you what is right and what is wrong. But they'll love you through it. They always do. And the ones that are like that, they will leave a lasting impression on you for all time. See, and stuff like that, the reason why I'm a youth pastor now. Uh, I hope one day there's a kid on a podcast and I've affected their life half as much as the mentors of my life have affected me. Because I definitely wouldn't be the man I am today without Pastor Kerry, Pastor Ben, Pastor Dave and Sheree. Pastor Ben, I mean y'all y'all know Pastor Ben. He's my my brother sheepdog. He's my brother from another mother. And just love that, man. And so many others. So many people that I haven't even met. I just know their character. I've seen what they do. I know what they talk about. I don't see anything coming out about them that changes my opinion of them. So, all that being said, Do you believe if there's anybody out there that doesn't, please ask yourself this. Why? Because there's so much to be gained from a life with Jesus than there is to be lost. It's not the easiest road. It's windy. It's treacherous. There's cliffs on all sides. But, if you take the hard road, the destination is much more glorious than the super highway 
leading to the pleasures of this world and to hell. If you take that treacherous road, if you take the the road off the beaten path, going up the mountains, through the valleys, winding around, definitely going to need a 4x4 four four for this ride. God is waiting at the end. So is your internal resting place. Heaven. The only place. And by rest, I mean complete. Joyful rest. Peace. No sorrow. No toiling. No anything. You get to rest in the presence of God. In hell, there is no rest. It's crying, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Don't forget the temperature is about three million. Jesus loves you. No matter what anybody's ever told you in your life, Jesus loves you. No matter what your opinion is on abortion or sex or transgenderism or guns or police officers or politics in general, Jesus loves you. And I love you. Please. Give Jesus a chance. If you say yes to giving him a chance, say yes to this with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for anybody hearing this, anybody that is searching. I pray, Lord, that the revelation that they have been found hits them right now. Father God, I pray, Lord, that they would repeat this right after me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins because I know I'm a sinner and I know that I'm unworthy of your love I'm unworthy of grace or forgiveness I'm unworthy of heaven but since you died for me I am forgiven I am loved I have grace covering my life And a mercy that gives me hope. Lord, because what you did on the cross, the righteousness of your blood covers me so that God can look on me and see me for what he created me to be. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. Give you all the glory. Lord, I ask you to Give me a new heart so that I might understand the things of your word, of your character. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit will guide me and direct me and lead me in everything I should do. I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and you need more directions, hit me up, sheep, sheepdogcountry at gmail.com. All right, sheepdogcountryaz at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll correspond with you. If you need any help finding a local church or whatever, 
just uh, let us know where you're from, and I'll put some fillers out and get back to you on that. Um, that being said, guys, stay tuned. Tomorrow's going to be a crazy, crazy episode, and boy, I cannot wait. Again, if you're in the area, February 26th, Living Waters Bible Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. Um, we have Chris Cyborg. That's going to be doing testimony, talk about what she's doing in ministry. I'm hoping to get the recording to put on here as well. Um, and, man, I just love, love, love seeing God do his work. And you really, sometime, I hope you all enjoyed this journey because I did. Because I got to look back over my life and I got to remember all these amazing things that happened. I don't remember the bad stuff hardly anymore. I just remember how good God is. From before I knew him, before I was saved, to now, all the people I've met and the love I've encountered, man. The fact that he blessed me with my wife, who is hands down way out of my league, a thousand percent out of my league. But he's that good. I'll tell you something right now, you see a a ugliest dude on the planet and has a really good looking wife. I can tell you one thing. That man knows Jesus. Or he's just super filthy rich. But more than likely, he knows Jesus. <laughs> if he ain't rich, he knows Jesus if he's with a good-looking woman. Because God knows that's how I got my wife. So, anyways. Y'all have a good one. Love you guys. Till next time. Peace.